McShane, Bible Study Day 322, we are in 1 Chronicles, chapters 11 and 12, and it's interesting the order that these things go in. So David's anointed king in Hebron, so you remember he was king in Hebron for seven years, and then king in, in Jerusalem 33 years, so they they go to um, Hebron, and then, but then they... They're kind of jumping back and forth in the story. Then they talk about um, David and all Israel uh, taking Jebus, which is Jerusalem. Um, I guess it had started being called Jebus at that time, or maybe they called it multiple things. It had been Salem, right, when Melchizedek had been there, but the Jebusites lived there. And I don't know if Melchizedek was a Jebusite or, or not. Some time has passed. But um, the Jebusites lived there, and it's kind of a impenetrable fortress, but David took it, and actually Joab was the main one there, so he became his general. And then the most of chapter 11 is just t- talking about a lot of the feats of his mightiest men, right? So I, I always think those stories are kind of cool to read. It kind of stirs up the heart to uh, think about accomplishing a mighty thing, right? You get that when you read it? There's, I, I have a book a friend recommended. And I've still never read it. It's like a little booklet. But it might be fun for you to read. Or um, if you want to read it together, I could read it with you. But um, it's based on this. There are people that like to get onto this idea that God has made us to accomplish mighty things for him. And, uh, and so this is a chapter that... Um, you know, talks a lot about that, a lot of details, and then a lot of names. It names all of his uh, 30 mighty men. And and then it talks about the mighty, chapter 12, mighty men joining him. And then it talks about the people of Israel coming and grabbing hold of him. They want to make him king over all Israel, right? And it starts numbering people. The The one thing that stands out to me, which is kind of cool, most most of the tribes, it just names the tribe, right? And the number of people that came but First Chronicles twelve thirty two says of Issachar, men who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do, two hundred chiefs and all their kinsmen under their command. So it said of the tribe of Issachar, they had understanding of the times. What is God doing in our day? How do we align with what God's doing? That's a powerful um, description to have on a people, right? Okay. To have understanding of the times. Uh, the other tribes didn't have anything like that. And um, and so there's a great celebration. He's made king, and that's kind of how it ends. And we are in Hebrews 13. And uh, so he's closing up the letter, right? Mm-hmm. He's just had this great crescendo in the last chapter. And then he moves on to say in verse 1, Let brotherly love continue. So he, he's just talked about, spent most of the letter talking about really big, incredible spiritual realities that we've entered into when we enter this faith, mm-hmm. okay? And he's, he's encouraging them to choose to enter into these realities. And then he ends with very um, particular, important Things 
that are much more fundamental to human relationship. Okay? Mm-hmm. You can't have one without the other. But in order for God to have a people, there needs to be a strong culture. Mm-hmm. And so that his wisdom is shared amongst his people. Mm-hmm. Right? So the the high and high minded things and in you know, wonderful ethereal things that we can think of are, are all true and real. Mm-hmm. But then he's ending with practical wisdom mm-hmm. on ways in which to encourage the advancement of these realities amongst us, right? Mm-hmm. So he says, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. So... He says, you know, the love between the brothers, love between the body of Christ, ha- have, it, have it abound, right? But also when we, when we encounter strangers, help us to be loving and kind to them. He says, in fact, some have entertained angels without even knowing it. That's kind of cool, huh? Going down to verse 6. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? When we put our trust in the Lord, when we put our fear in the Lord and the Lord alone, not in the world, not in the things, the politicians or the media, the so-called scientists come up with us to be scared about. Mm-hmm. When, we, when we put our fear in those things, we are subject to every whim of the evil one. Mm-hmm. You understand? Mm-hmm. When we fear the Lord and Him alone... How can any of those things touch us? Mm-hmm. Verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He does not change. It is, it is very, very common for a person to say, well, yeah, yeah, that was true. And if I was living back then, I would not make the mistakes they did. But then they make the exact same mistakes because the particulars of the situation have changed. And they say that doesn't apply to them. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, nothing has changed. Mm -hmm. Jesus is always the same. Are you going to give him all of your life? Are you going to give him all of your faith? Mm -hmm. Are you going to give him all of your fear, worries? Mm -hmm. Or are you going to go the way the world goes? Jesus hasn't changed. The question is, what are you going to do? Right? Verse 10 We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. That's powerful. Do you know what that means? God has made available to us a life, good food, that are only available to those who approach him in his way. Those who want to continue living by religion, they have lesser things to eat. They have a lesser life to live. Mm -hmm. The writer of Hebrews is saying, we have special food straight from God. Mm -hmm. Spiritual food Mm -hmm. leading to spiritual life Mm -hmm. that is above anything in this world. Mm -hmm. Treat your life and the way you live it in the Lord himself as holy. Right? 12. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. 
he's talking about, look, the, ta the tabernacle, the temple, they were set up by God. There was a way to sacrifice animals for them. The animals had to be sacrificed outside, and then they were brought in. Jesus was sacrificed outside, right? Mm -hmm. In order that God <clears throat> could bring into his holy temple mm -hmm. the sacrifice, the blood of Christ, the life of Christ, the mm -hmm. overcoming power. <clears throat> Who is his temple? We are, mm -hmm. right? Um. 13, therefore let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endures. So he says, you have to leave this world and its ways in order to go to him because he is outside of those ways mm -hmm. in order for the, to fulfill these things. 14, for here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. So he says, the things that uh, the fallen man puts his heart on, natural things, they're all fleeting they're all dying. Because <clears throat> we don't have that. We're not concerned with anything in this life. Right? We seek the city that is to come. Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. So let us live our life in praise to the Lord. That is our sacrifice. To give him our lives, right? 17, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. So for one, <clears throat> you know, you, you want to obey my instruction, right? And for me, putting myself under Mr. Soon, the Lord has done this. I want to obey what he says, Right? Now, he's never forceful in asking me to do anything. He has no desire to try to control me. And in the past, sometimes I kind of ignore what he says as maybe not so pertinent. And a long time passes and I read, oh, he was right. And I should have listened. Mm -hmm. Right? It's to my folly. Mm -hmm. But generally, for the most part, it's one area where I'm quite blessed of knowing, okay, that I'm getting food from God's table through this man. So I'm going to listen and if I find something that is different or apart or I disagree, mm -hmm. I'm going to look at that thing very closely and say, you know what? I want to fall on the side of um, believing the one God has given to me versus my own things so that I can see, am I able to grow more quickly by being more readily able to disregard the things of the flesh or my old life? Or familiar spirits, or whatever. <clears throat> right? Um, now, flipping it around, it's this conversation I had with him yesterday when he said, Ah, you know, <laughs> you asked, I had a dream a long time ago when I asked for a gun. There was a, a sort of a, kind of a, like a giant table of mighty men or something many years ago. And uh, I asked for a gun, and he right across the table to me <laughs> give me the gun <laughs> we're talking about the difficulties of leadership and the patient endurance that is required and he was saying haha you asked for this <laughs> talking about a dream that I had uh, but he says so okay let me read the whole sentence obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. When we, when we enter into leadership for the Lord, 
We are responsible. We are taking on, James talks about this. We are taking on great responsibility for which we are held to a higher standard. Because now we're representing the Lord to others. Mm -hmm. And James says, hey, be careful that you do that. Because now you're stepping into territory where you may not have been guilty of sin, but now you're choosing to represent the Lord. Mm -hmm. You're now holding yourself to a higher standard. You're you're now held to a higher standard. Mm -hmm. Right? Paul says somewhere else, uh, you know, I, I feel like we apostles are are up. To, I can't I can't quote it, but he's like, <laughs> who would want to be what we are? We're we're you know publicly uh, you know tortured, humiliated, uh, but we do this for you, and we willingly pour out our lives for you, right? Mm-hmm. So, both of these things together, from the under, from the over. It's about God building his house up as a family. In a natural family, it's, it's quite obvious. Although you have natural families who, who the parents try to be just friends with the kids instead of being parents, and that ends up in disaster, right? I mean, are we friends? Well, yeah, sure, but it's within the context of I'm the daddy and you're the son, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if God is building up a family then there has to be those relationships within the family, mm-hmm. right? And that's how his wisdom grows and spreads. When we, when we understand where we are and we thank the Lord for it, mm-hmm. and then we can all grow and advance in this way, right? Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Um, so he's... Again, I'm I'm breaking up these two sentences, so it makes it kind of confusing. But he's saying, look, if someone's helping you in the Lord, help them help you. (laughs) Don't make it difficult on them. Uh, And then he, you know, he ends by asking for prayer and praying a blessing over them. And that is the book of Hebrews. And then we look at Amos 7. And this is kind of a a cool chapter in Amos. Um, Kind of pivotal. Oh, yeah. What's a plumb line? So they would, a plumb line is... They would, uh, when they were building a building, Mm -hmm. they would take a long rope or string, Mm -hmm. and then they would set the stones along that plumb line. That made sure that the house was straight, Mm -hmm. right? I think they, I'm not sure if they still do this or not. Um, They might just use long, I, I know I've seen like them pouring concrete and they just use long two by fours, but I don't know if they first use a, a, plumb line like that or not but it's it, you know if you have something that's pulled taut between two points it's going to be a straight line right mm-hmm. if you just start laying them out without that mm-hmm. then you might end up with curvy lines right and then and then you have a, a house or a building that's been built that's not strong and stable mm-hmm. right so this is something they learned a long time ago well The Lord, Amos is sharing, the Lord had given him visions of total destruction for the people. And he is crying out on behalf of the people. And so twice the Lord says, okay, well, I won't do the destruction that I was talking about. And then we come to the plumb line thing that you're asking about. Verse 8, and the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And this is after he's already relented and said, okay, I won't destroy them the way that I had said I would. So Amos is standing on behalf of the people 
Eat, we're going to see Amazia here in a minute. Doesn't, you know, doesn't really understand that. Doesn't appreciate that. But Amos is standing before the Lord for these people. You see that? The Lord had established him as one close to him. And so he actually gave, he gave him the ability to move his heart. Because obviously Amos had truly given the Lord his heart. Right? And he says, hey, the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a plumb line. Then the Lord said, behold, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will never again pass by them. The high places of Isaac shall be made desolate, and the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste. And I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. So he's lowered down it from I will destroy everything to I will destroy these ways that are so flagrantly against my ways. Right? But then we see in verse 10, then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel. So I can't remember if we were talking about when this was. This was obviously very early, right? Jeroboam, first king of Israel. Um, sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear his words. Because he's saying hard words, right? The people have turned away. This is right when they first turned away from the people of God, which allowed... The, the horrible things of Ahab and Jezebel they, to come about, right? Because they started to turn away. When we, when we get off track, we tend to get more and more off track. Jeroboam was still worshiping the Lord, but he was doing it in his own way, not in the way the Lord had prescribed, right? And uh, let's see, verse 14, Then Amos answered and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, because he was saying, Why don't you go to Judah and prophesy? Don't, we don't want you here in Israel, right? And he says, I was no prophet nor a prophet's son, but I was a herdsman and a dresser of sycamore figs. It means he had an orchard and he had some sheep, right? Mm-hmm. He said, I, I'm not out here trying to be a prophet like you, trying to hold yourself out as some priest. Mm-hmm. I was just going about my life, right? 15. But the Lord took me from following the flock. And the Lord said to me, go prophesy to my people Israel. Now, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. He said, you've butted into my life. All I'm trying to do is follow the Lord. You're the one that's outside the will of the Lord, not me, Mm -hmm. right? You say, do not prophesy against Israel. You do not preach against the house of Isaac. Therefore, thus says the Lord. And he goes on to give him a very harsh word to him personally, right? Um, but you know, it's kind of cool to see there's a lot in this chapter. There's the concept of the plumb line, Mm -hmm. which is very important. God wants us to be, he wants to build a glorious temple and have us each be a perfectly cut stone within that temple. Mm -hmm. We have to be aligned with his alignment, right? His plumb line, or he's got an unstable house that doesn't truly represent him and falls Mm -hmm. apart, right? Mm -hmm. So that concept is cool. The fact that God called Amos out of the wilderness. He was not some high-born priest. He was a shepherd, right? But God said, this is a man I'm going to use. It's the way God works, the way he's always worked. And, um, okay, we'll end it there. We wrap up in Psalm 89. And again, trying to, as I usually do, pick out different parts of the psalm to talk about. 
than we did last time we went through it. Uh, verses 6 and 7 say, For who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord, a God greatly to be feared in the counsel of the holy ones, and awesome above all who are around him? So this is along the lines of what we've been talking about. Treating the Lord as holy, setting ourselves apart for him, because nothing compares with him, right? Then he speaks to the Lord. You rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. So God is above everything. If we're in a boat and the waves rage against us, Mm -hmm. it can be scary. The disciples were in this situation, right? They were scared because they're afraid they're going to go over. And Jesus says, you foolish men, you have no faith. You think God's going to let us go over in the boat? Doesn't he have something more important for us to be about? But you're caught up in what the waves are doing? Mm-hmm. You see that? Mm-hmm. He, had a, he had a kingdom understanding. They were caught up in what's going on in the world. Right? 11. The heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and all that is in it. You have founded them. God is above everything. 14. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are the people who know the festal shout, who walk, O Lord, in the light of your face, who exult in your name all the day, and in your righteousness are exalted. For you are the glory of their strength. By your favor, our horn is exalted. So God is righteousness and justice, right? His throne, his power, his wisdom, his authority are everything that's good, right? And he's all-powerful. And we are blessed to choose to give our lives to him and to take on his ways. And he exalts us by your favor. Our horn is exalted. When we choose to give him everything, then he chooses to use us for his glorious purposes, which are beyond anything we can imagine to do with our own lives, right? It doesn't always seem like that in the moment, but that's the reality from someone who is all good, all loving, all wise, he says that is the best we can possibly do with our life. Mm-hmm. Right? So the trick is to actually live in a way where we believe this every moment. Right? 27. And I will make him the firstborn, the highest of the kings. So he's talking about David here. Um, but, but of course, you know, David's often a picture of Jesus, right? We're, we're talking about a kingdom. God's kingdom being established. Jesus was the one who establishes it, right? And I will make him the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. My steadfast love I will keep for him forever, and my covenant will stand firm for him. I will establish his offspring forever, and his throne is the days of the heavens. So now we have not just a king, but a royal people, right? Sons of the king, Mm -hmm. right? Sons of God. We see a royal family being established. 30. However, if his children forsake my law and do not walk according to my rules, if they violate my statutes and do not keep my commitments, then I will punish their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. But I will not remove from him in my steadfast love or be false to my faithfulness. Mm -hmm. He says, I can't abide people that aren't living according to my way, who are not along the plumb line, right? Mm-hmm. I have to get rid of those in order for my temple to be built perfectly as I've intended, right? 
Can you take that from her for me? Um, he says, however, just because some of these have gone astray does not mean I will not go forward with my plan. I have a plan and a purpose and I will fulfill it in people, right? In a people choosing to live my way. 38 says, but now you have cast off and rejected. <laughs> she got it back. Huh? <laughs> but now you have cast off and rejected. You are full of wrath against your anointed. You have renounced the covenant with your servant. You have defiled his crown in the dust. He says, but this is a glorious truth, but you've rejected it, right? Oh, that was the last thing I, <laughs> I uh, highlighted. Uh but it, he ends the psalm saying, how long, O oh Lord, are we in this difficult state? When will you bring us into, into green pastures, right? And the Lord is doing that. Both are true. Judgment of the old ways, the blessing, the preserving, the raising up of a remnant people so that the world can be blessed through his people, right? Mm -hmm. That's his way of making himself known to the world, that a people are filled with him, united, as one holy family filled with all love and wisdom and truth so that his light shines in the darkness, right? Mm -hmm. That's what he's doing. You have anything else? No. God bless you. God bless you.